0: I'm going to ask you to pray with me, whether you're here or online, and as this week, we, uh, for, many, for many of us, this week is a going back to school week, and that's true if you're a kid, that's true if you're a parent, uh, that's true if, um, if you're a teacher, that this might be the week, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, next week, uh, but for most of the kind of Denver area schools, we're going back to school, and so we're going to say just a, a special prayer for, for all of you, whether you're teachers or parents or children that are getting ready to go back to school. And, um, and I guess not even just children. Uh, so some of you I know are students as well, and, and you're going back to school. And so would you pray with me for our service as we prepare our hearts, uh, but also we will pray for, for that. And I'm just going to ask you... Um, if you fall into any of the categories I listed, whether you are at home or here, just, or just open your hands and uh, in, a, in a posture to say that you want to receive uh, from God. So, Father, I, I first just want to pray for our teachers as they uh, enter back into school, and whether that's online or in person or some mix, And I know that for some there is anxiety filled with going back in person. And I know for some there's um, discouragement or frustration about not going back in person. And Lord, I pray for every teacher that is here or online, God, that you would allow them to trust in your control over all of this and all that is going on. Allow their hearts to be at peace, knowing that none of this catches you by surprise and that you are with them, whether that means their instruction is going to be inhibited in, in ways that they don't like and that their connection with students might be inhibited or that you are with them if they fear going back with, with people in person. So God, I pray that you would just give them a sense of your presence and that you would bless their teaching this year, that you would help them to love and serve their students. I want to pray for the parents that are here, that look at going back to school, maybe at home as a challenge, and the difficulty that that brings. For those maybe sending their kids to different schools or having had to change options of schools and just the unknowns or confusion or different, even just organizational elements around that, that you would help them, Lord, to entrust their children, their students, this school year to you. Even in unknown and even in much change, help them to have as their stability as their rock, as their foundation, that you are unchanging, even if so much else has changed. And Lord, we pray for our students, whether those are kindergarten all the way up to grad school, Lord, those that are re-entering into school this year, that you would give them hearts ready to receive, minds ready to learn, God, that they would be able to not just do busy work, but that you would help them to apply their hearts and apply their minds so that they may be able to be a people that are uh, loving their neighbor in this world and that their education would serve towards that end. God, we thank you that we can gather here today. We thank you that we can gather through technology in our homes. Pray that you would speak your word today to our hearts, that you would allow us to be humble and to receive what you have for us. God, you know every single person that's here and every single person watching online and you want to speak to us. You want to shape us and form us. You want to convict us and encourage us. You want to comfort us and challenge us. You, you have words to speak to our hearts. And so I pray that you would help me to speak your word. And I pray that you would help us all to receive your word with diligence. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We are in a series in the book of Proverbs and looking at different principles that Proverbs gives to us for, for life in various categories. Proverbs speaks to really, I mean, it speaks to so many of the different areas in our life, whether that's marriage and family and work and money and, and all sorts of different things, the way that we treat our friends and conflict and uh, the way we use our words. It it speaks to so many different things. And, And we're asking, what does it mean to have wisdom in all of these things? What does it mean to live wisely? What does it mean to bring all of our life to God and say, I want this area to be lived with wisdom? What does it mean to take every single area and say, I want this as its foundation to start with? Proverbs says that the, the beginning of wisdom, the foundation of wisdom is the fear or the awe, the worship of the Lord. And so what does it mean to take every area and bring it to God and say, we want your wisdom. I want to start with worship of you when it comes to this area. And today we're going to talk about family and parenting. And I know many of you are not parents, but I believe God has something to speak to all of us today as it's it's in his word and the Bible speaks to parents and children knowing that many people that are not parents are still listening in and there's reason for that. So don't tune out if you are not a, a parent. We all have uh, probably family problems, I bet that's safe to say, whether that's the family that you grew up in, and that could be for a variety of different reasons, but most of us wouldn't say, my family life was perfect then and it's perfect now. Most of us have some sort of family issues that we have experienced, and we're raised with those, and then for many people, then we have kids and then there's problems that we experience. And, and even when you are an adult, you often still have some sort of problems with your parents. And I know some of you are parents listening in of some of the folks here, but I'm not talking about them. They have no problems uh, with you at all. Uh, but, but all of us whether you um, are have older kids or younger kids or just starting or, or thinking about having a family at some point, all of us want to get it right. All of us want to be able to experience our family relationships in the right way. We want to be able to live those with wisdom, especially now, I think, uh, for those of you that have kids, this is kind of front and center where everybody's at home and For many of us, we have now become homeschoolers, whether you chose that or not. You may have been staunchly against homeschooling your whole life and now all of a sudden you're homeschooling and and you didn't really have a choice. And for, for most people right now, family life is the good and the bad or the good and the hard is even amplified during this season. I think the time is ripe to think about what the Bible has to say to us about wisdom when it comes to family and parenting. Now, let me just say this because I know that many of you are just starting off your parenting, and when you have a, a little baby, it can be hard to think about, you know, how do I do parenting right? You're really just trying to clean up poop and feed and, and take pictures. Those are really the three duties of a parent when you have a, a baby. Those that's pretty much encompasses all of it. Um, and not sleep. Those are, I guess, four things. Those are the four things that you have on your to-do list. Uh, and some of you um, maybe are, don't have kids at all, and so you know you come to a sermon that is about parenting, and we're going to look at what the Bible says about parenting and family, and that can feel like, oh, okay, this has nothing to do with me. And I want to speak to those of you that are in that category, two things. One, if you are going to have kids someday— the time to consider that is not when you're in crisis, but you want your mind and your heart to be formed beforehand. Same thing I would say for those of you that are not married and hope to get married at some point, you want your mind and your heart to be formed beforehand, not just when all of a sudden you're in crisis and say, man, I didn't know this was how marriage was supposed to be, and no one taught me any of this stuff. And secondly, as we go through this, and I'll, and I'll talk about this kind of more towards the end, but I, I want, this This is true even if you have made a vow that you will never have children or if you can't have children. This this is true of what Proverbs speaks. When when Proverbs speaks to parenting, what we are getting is a window into the perfect parent. That if you are to do everything that Proverbs says, that would mean that you would be essentially a perfect parent. And we know that there is only one perfect parents. We have our heavenly father. And so everything that Proverbs speaks about, here is what parents are to do. Here is what parents are to be. You are really getting a window into who God says he is to you. And some of you may come from broken homes like I do. Some of you may not have had a good relationship with a mother or a father. And what Proverbs speaks today is God telling you, even as he's telling parents, here's what it means to be a parent, it is also even maybe more profoundly God speaking to you, here's who I am as your father. Here's what it means that I am your father. Here's what it means that I am your parent. And so no matter where you are, no matter kind of what stage of either you have older kids or younger kids or no kids or you hate kids or you love kids or, or whatever, wherever you are, I believe that Proverbs has something to speak to us today. So with all the different problems, confusion, what does Proverbs give to us for principles of wisdom when it comes to parenting? And here's what I want to start with. Here's here's what we start with. Here is the key principle or the key framework of what even is parenting. What is it? And I don't know how you answer that question if you are a parent or if you had parents. All of us, I think, had parents. I don't know how you would answer that question of what it is. What, what, is it, what is it all about? For some, maybe you would think that it's about caring for the needs of a child. Maybe for some, it's providing a safe environment or safe atmosphere some may say it's about love or maybe it's fun or it's affirmation i I, i'm here as a parent to affirm my kids and affirm their potential and affirm their worth and affirm their value or or maybe it's about developing them and just kind of helping them reach those various developmental milestones i know that a lot of parents are very concerned about all those developmental milestones and want to make sure that their kids are in the right percentiles and and all of those things Maybe it's to teach or to create a nurturing environment. I I don't know how you view what is the framework for parenting. Often our framework for parenting is either the same as what our parents had for us, or it's in reaction against that. So when you come to parenting, you may say, I do not want to be like how my parents were. And that affects how you parent your kids. Or you may say, man, I loved how my parents were to me that's what I want to do. Or it may be one, You maybe you loved how your mom was or your dad was, and you kind of choose that. We want to have a framework that is from God. We want to be able to even just come to the foundational question of what is parenting and start with, what does God say? There's pieces of all the different things I mentioned that are good, but here's the key principle that Proverbs gives to us of what parenting even is. Proverbs 22.6 says this. This is a very famous verse, but it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parenting, essentially, is exactly what it just said there. Training. I want you to think about parenting, not just as creating a loving environment, not just as nurture, not just as reaching developmental milestones, not just safety. All those things can be good and important, but parenting, essentially, when it comes to what the Bible has to say about parenting, parenting is training. That's what it is. You are, if you are a parent, a trainer. Parenting is training. Training for what and how? how, how what is it for? How does it done That's really the meat of what we are going to look at. What does that training look like? And so I want to give you eight things of what Proverbs says that training is like. The first thing, if you want to train, you have to have a goal. And some of you have probably trained for marathons. Some of you have trained uh, for other crazy endeavors like that. Some of you have trained to move from the five-pound dumbbell to the 10-pound dumbbell. Some of you have trained uh, when it comes to food. Some of you have trained for your job. Some of you have trained in school. Various things that we have training for. But if you're training, there's always a goal that you have in mind. You're not just... Training implies there's a destination that you're trying to get to, right? You don't just train uh, indefinitely. You train for a goal. And here's what Proverbs says the goal of the training is or the goal of parenting is. It's not training just to have good little people. It's not training for manners or education or sports or like, think about it this way. Here's another way to think about training. What is your vision for your kids? Or if you want to think about, and again, I want you, if you don't have kids, I want you to think about this for God who reveals himself as a father. What do you think God's goal is even in your life as he is a parent to you? What, how is? What is he trying to parent you towards? There's a lot of different things we could say as the goal. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs 4.10 says, and this is all, I'm just giving you kind of some samples and all these things. Proverbs speaks a lot about this, but I'm going to give you uh, just kind of some snapshots. 4.10 says, listen, my son, accept my words and you will live many years. I am teaching you the way of wisdom. I am guiding you on straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Now, maybe this should be intuitive since we're going through Proverbs, but Proverbs says the goal, what the, what the father, what the mother has in mind, what God has in mind for us, the goal is, I'm teaching you the way of wisdom. Listen, for those of you that are parents, the goal that you should have for your kids is wanting them to be wise. And that doesn't mean a certain amount of degrees. That doesn't even mean street smarts. What it means when it comes to what the Bible says wisdom is, we've already been looking at. And back to the first one that we looked at, the foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. When the Bible talks about wisdom and when Proverbs talks about wisdom specifically, it is talking about a life that is totally submitted to God, saying everything I think and how I think about things and then the way I use that information with people, with God, starts with I know who I am and I know who he is. That it starts with a reverence and an awe and a worship of him. The goal of parenting Is not to raise your kids to be successful people. It's not to raise them to be uh, even just good moral people. It's wisdom. It's wisdom according to what the Bible says wisdom is, which is to know and love God and to live in relationships and in this world with that foundation. And here's what else it means. That's the first thing is the goal. Second, if you're thinking about training, what it means if you need to be trained, if that's the key framework, if you need to be trained, it means that you're not there yet. Any training you have to go through, it means first that you're not there yet. I know that when I was training to be a, a waiter, uh, one of, I, I had uh, worked at the restaurant as a host and then was able to be a waiter. And just as a part of their normal hazing. They told me I needed to go in and aerate the ranch, which is to go and just kind of scoop the ranch, you know, up and down and make sure it got lots of bubbles in it. And that is not true. Um, But that is just, you know, normal hazing. But what that said is I, and you know, they were just playing around, but I didn't know. Because training says you don't know something and you need to learn things. Now, here's where that's important with Proverbs when it comes to parenting. We need to understand that our kids, and again, listen to God speaking this even to you as a parent, that they are sinners, that they are starting ignorance or even foolish. Many have said that the easiest doctrine in the Bible to prove is that we have a sinful nature because kids don't come out saying, I'm here to serve, I'm here to help. They come out saying, mine, mine, give this to me and give that to me. They come out, yes, they've got cute little smiles, but part of what makes kids cute is that they're foolish. Part of what we laugh about kids, you wouldn't laugh with an adult. Kids can poop all over themselves and we just call it a blowout. If an adult does that, you say something is terribly wrong with you, right? Kids can say, I've got poop on my face and you think it's cute and take a picture of it. If adults do that, you go, something is really off, dude. I don't think this is normal. Part of what makes kids cute is that they're foolish. Part of what makes kids cute even sometimes is that they are sinful. And the Bible says this, Proverbs 22 says, foolishness is bound to the heart of a youth. And I'm not going to speak on this second part yet, but I just want you to understand this. Foolishness is bound to the heart of a youth. A rod of discipline will separate it from him. Twenty-nine, fifteen. a rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a youth left to himself is a disgrace to his mother. Now, what all of that is saying is that kids start and are and continue to be sinners and foolish. That's how they are. And it's the job of parents to expect that. Listen, for some of you, you, that actually is encouraging, I think. If you say, hey, my kids are sinful because that means that you're not necessarily doing something wrong. Kids are supposed to start like that. Kids are supposed to be ignorant and inexperienced. They're supposed to be like that. I think sometimes parents overburden themselves in thinking, why is my kid like this? Or why, you know, what have I done wrong? And what the Bible wants us to understand is what Proverbs is actually speaking to us is sin is in each of us. Foolishness is in each of us. Part of what it also means is kids can't form themselves. Kids can't form themselves. They need parents to form them. Let me also say this to you, parents. God gave your kids to you. God gave your kids to you, which means the difficulties that they have, the struggles that they have, the sins they have, the foolishness they have, the disabilities they have, all of the different things that they have. God said, I know that that's there. And I want you to be a part of their training. I want you to be a part of their development. Knowing that that is going to be hard and knowing that we will need patience for that. Here's what that means too, for those of you that aren't even parents. It means that when God is a father looking at you, he knows your sin. He knows that you've got ways to go. He knows your ignorance and your inexperience and your foolishness. And God as a father doesn't look at you and say, what? There's sin there? What? There's foolishness there? He says, yes, you are my child and I know that's what is there. And I am working with you to develop you. The Bible calls that sanctification. I'm working with you to change you more and more into the image of maturity that I have called you to be. God expects that and knows that in us. Third, what training looks like is, and this is maybe implied all throughout, but it is teaching. Four, one through four says, listen, sons, to a father's discipline. And pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Over and over and over in Proverbs, it speaks to the role of a parent is to teach. Now, I think most parents know this, they start off with this understanding at one level and then I think often forget actually. And for those of you that have babies or young young children, you spend a lot of time teaching. You spend a lot of time helping them to maybe learn the alphabet or learn to walk or learn to speak certain words and maybe you even have a contest of if the baby's going to say mama first or dada first. And they spend a lot of time teaching their kids. But then a lot of times, somewhere along the way, parents forget that this is their, one of their core responsibilities in training their kids. And the reason I say that is because I often talk to you. I often talk to people that are adults that will say, my parents never said anything to me about sex. My parents never said anything to me about racism. My parents never said anything to me about culture and these issues. My parents never taught me anything about emotions and handling your emotions. My parents never taught me anything about anxiety. My parents never taught me anything in depth about God. I often talk to adults that say, yeah, my, my parents didn't really talk about that stuff with me. And here's, here's the, the reality. Your kids will learn somewhere. And you know this If as an adult. You learned what you learned somewhere. And if parents don't take the responsibility to be the ones that teach their children on all things with no taboo subjects, then somebody else will. And therefore, you will abdicate your responsibility to teach to TV, to a bunch of other kids that I mean, probably a lot of you learned what you learned from your peers. And those are not usually the best sources of information. If you abdicate as a parent, someone will fill the gap. And sometimes parents say, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's a conscious choice or if it's just a, I think probably just a busy choice. There's just busyness that happens and maybe don't know how to broach a subject but god has called parents to be the ones teaching the problem should never be that children do not hear from their parents it should be that they do not apply or pay attention as what the verse we just read says and what does that practically mean it means to be diligent in those things as as it said in verse 4 to be diligent and I don't know exactly what that means for you, but one of the most fundamental practices you can do is have a Bible on your child's nightstand, read that with them. Think about the things that you want to teach them. Let me say this again to those of you that are not parents. And I know that a sermon like this is easy to, to, not, uh, to not pay too close attention to, but let me say this. God as a father says, I want to teach you. God as a father is constantly saying that he wants to speak into your life on every area that there is. God as a parent revealing himself would speak the same words that four, one through four says, listen son to a father's discipline, pay attention so you may gain understanding. I'm giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. God would speak the same thing to each of us that are called his children. That he would say, I wanna teach you. Are you willing to bring every part of your life and, and not let there be any taboo subject to what I want to say to you? Are you willing to bring not just your, what you might consider spiritual life, but are you willing to bring every part of your life to me and let me as your father teach you? Fourth, closely linked to teaching is that Proverbs says one of the ways that training is done is through discipline. Teaching could be seen proactively, saying, I want to bring this truth to my children. Discipline is often seen reactively, where there's a corrective aspect to it, some way that is going wrong. And God, who says he disciplines us, wanting to bring us back, or parents wanting to bring their children back. 13.24 says, the one who will not use the rod hates his son. But the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. 1918 says, discipline your son while there is hope. Don't set your heart on being the cause of his death. 29.17 says, discipline your child and it will bring you peace of mind and give you delight. So maybe some of you are parents said, this is hurting me more than it's hurting you. Proverbs says, no, this is bringing me delight, actually. (laughs) Which doesn't actually mean that, but what it does mean is that it should bring an ultimate delight because you're correcting your child from going the wrong way and helping them move the right way. Excuse me. Discipline sometimes is thought to be unloving. But the most unloving thing a parent can do is to be indifferent to their child. The most unloving thing a parent can do is to be indifferent and not care if their child goes the right way or the wrong way, if they are foolish or wise, if they love the world or God. The most unloving thing a parent could ever do is be totally indifferent. And I know probably for some of you, you may have had abusive parents and your parents were harsh with discipline. And that may affect your view of God. It may affect your view of the way you parent your children. But discipline essentially is a loving action that says, I want you to go the right way. I want you to know what will cause you death in life. I want you to know what will cause you hurt in life. And what Proverbs says is, I don't want my heart to be the cause of your death. I want to love you so much that I'm willing to correct you when you've gone wrong. And Proverbs does talk a lot about the rod, which can be meaning physically spanking, not in an abusive way. And I'm not here to advocate one way or another on that. And every parent kind of needs to make their own choice around that. But it can also just refer to, as a metaphor, authority that is exercised. But either way, the point is that discipline is love. Love teaches that sin has consequences. Love teaches that there's a need for confession and repentance. This is why the Bible says that about God, it says every father that loves their child disciplines them. And then this is in Hebrews, and God says, and so do I to you. Every father that loves a child will discipline them. And God says, and I will to you as well. God may intervene in your life to correct you off of a wrong path because he loves you, not because he's trying to hurt you. Fifth is that this training, that this teaching, that this disciplining, that the goal of wisdom, all of this should be for the good of the child. Verse 3, excuse me, chapter 3, 1 and 2 says, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days a full life and well-being. That the whole reason for parenting, the goal of it is wisdom. And so all these things should be done for the good of a child. And sometimes parents parent for their own comfort. They want children to stop certain things or start certain things because that will be more comfortable for them. It might be simply for their own image. You may have had parents that wanted you to excel in something, do something, not so much because they wanted it for you, but because they wanted bragging rights in your life. Proverbs says, that the goal of all this should be because your desire for your child is, I want you to have a full life and well-being. I want, I want good for you. That every discipline, every correction, every instruction, every parenting thing is because ultimately the parent says, I want good for your life. It's not a self-centered, it's not a comfort or compliance-driven thing. It's, I want good for you. Listen, that's the same with God. Again, every way that God calls parents to be is a way God is revealing himself to be as a father. Any command, any instruction, any discipline, any teaching, any prohibition, or any admonition towards something, God gives to you because he wants your good. God God is not trying to hold out on you. God's not trying to restrict you. He's trying to give you what Proverbs says, parents want to give their children a full life. He wants your joy and he cares for you. And everything that God commands is ultimately for your good. Sixth, this training should look tender. It should look tender. Tender. I went through Proverbs and counted 23 different times. 23 different times the, the writer says, in, and I'm using air quotes, he says, My son. He uses that phrase. Proverbs is 31 chapters, 23 different times, which means very often the language that he uses is my son. Now, that is a tender way to speak to somebody. If I'm speaking to my son or if I'm speaking to my daughter, I don't normally say, my son. If I do, it's when I am speaking with great tenderness. It's when I would hold their face in my hand and say, listen, my son, listen, my daughter. That is a voice of affection and tenderness. Which means, as Proverbs is filled with all of these callings to say, don't be a fool. I want you to do this. I want you not to do that. Watch out for this. Go this direction. Don't go this direction. It's filled. Perhaps one of the books most filled with commands about all sorts of areas in life, and yet the underlying and overt context is a tenderness, an affection, It's an absolute context of intimacy and care that is saying, my son, my child, my daughter. You need to know that that's also the way God speaks to you. When you hear God's word to you, even when it is corrective, even when there's areas in your life that you don't have figured out that are off, that are wrong, when God speaks to you, He doesn't speak to you to insult you, but to invite you. When God shows you the areas in your life where you are immature, where he wants you to develop and grow, when God would point out and say, there's folly here. You're still childish here. He doesn't speak those things as condemnation. He doesn't speak those things as insult. But as an invitation, he speaks them in a context of affection, saying, My son, my daughter. And for those of you that are parents, that must inform our parenting. There can be no sort of stone cold, stoic, non emotional parenting, there must be tender affection. 7th this training must look like something that is first and foremost based on the parents relationship with god proverbs 14:26 says in the fear of the lord one has strong confidence and his children have a refuge In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children have a refuge. Here's what that's saying. You experience experience in your life a strong confidence when you are worshiping God and know who God is. It means that no matter what is coming at you in life, no matter what pressures or suffering or difficulty that you face, if you know who God is, you have a confidence. And if that's true of you, that gives your kids a strong foundation. It gives them a refuge. His children have a refuge. See, the greatest gift that you parents can give to your kids is your relationship with God. Let me let me ask you, those of you that are parents here and online, if your your kids had the relationship with God that you have right now, is that what you want for them? If your kids fast forward, whatever it is, 20 years or 18 years or 10 years, if they have the same faith that you have right now, is that what you want for them? Proverbs says that the greatest gift that we can give to our kids, the greatest refuge that we can give to our kids, and and many parents want to provide a refuge for their children. It says the greatest refuge you can give to them is your worship and knowing and relating to God. And then lastly, the eighth principle of training, just like all training, is ultimately... The person being trained has to choose. They have to choose. Ultimately, parents are called to train their child, but a child has to choose how they want to respond to that. 13.1 says, A wise son responds to his father's discipline, but a mocker doesn't listen to rebuke. 19.27, If you stop listening to correction, my son, you will stray from the words of knowledge. This may be a helpful truth for some of you as you try to parent your children, you, and maybe even for some of you that are older and have grown children, and you tried to do some of these things and maybe live with some unnecessary guilt, either in a moment or after a lifetime of parenting. And Proverbs says, ultimately parents do what they can, but a child has to choose. And again, when we think about God as our Father, God loves you. He speaks to you tenderly. He shows you his affection. He teaches you. He disciplines you. He encourages you. He is patient with you, knowing that you are a sinner and foolish and needing to grow. He is for your good. He is wanting to give you deeper relationship with him. And yet in all of that, each of us have to choose still. Each of us have to choose how we respond to God. So here's the the last question as we enter into communion, which is just how can, if, if you're a parent, how can you train your children this way? If this is what training is, if this is what the, the goal of parenting is, is training, how, how can we do that? And no one should read Proverbs and, and the things that I just spoke and say, got it, check, done. Really, it's a, it's a weight to say, man, if that's what it is, that's, that's a lot. And the only way is to do what we've done along this path, which is to be trained by God. The way that you become a trainer is by having been trained by God as a father, seeing how he has been and done all of this to us and for us. I don't know what kind of parents you had. Maybe they were great parents because they modeled who God is. And maybe not. And so you're feeling like you've got to unlearn a lot of things and change a lot of things. Either as just an adult person or as someone that wants to parent. But the way that you can either grow into the child of God that you have been called to be or that you can parent your children to be the children of God that He has called them to be is through being trained and parented by our Heavenly Father. When we take communion, what we remember is that Jesus' body was broken and His blood was shed to save us from our sins. But not only that, but to adopt us into a family. That because of Jesus, we are given the best father that anyone could have. That God the Father looks at Jesus and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And anyone connected to Jesus, God says the same of you. He says, you are mine and you belong to me. And I want to parent you as my child and for those of us that are parents to help then train you to train these children. So as you take communion, I want you to reflect on God as your father. I want you, I want those of you that are parents to confess maybe where there's been sin and also to ask God to, res- to show you, to remind you, to let your view of him as father change the way that you parent your children. So take some time, pray, and then we will stand and sing together.